Lord God, your presence is here. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. A lot of you have been receiving texts from me all week long. You've been receiving pushes from me all week long. Actually, not from me, but from God. And my prayer today is that this word goes straight to your heart like every other message, like every other sermon, like the word of God should pierce you. I pray it pierces your heart and is so intense that you cannot, that you, you will refuse to walk out of here the same way you came in. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together. As the manner, as the habit of some, some of your Bibles will say manner, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of of fire which will consume the adversaries. Lord, please, let this pierce the hearts. Um, I wrote down some definitions. God had me write them down. And I'm going to read these definitions off. And if you want a copy of this, just let me know. You can have one. This is not notes for the sermon, but I want you to, there's three, there's three, four key words here that you need to understand. Forsake, which we found in verse 25. Forsake means to abandon something or someone. To abandon, desert, leave, quit, depart from, leave behind, leave high and dry, turn one's back on, cast aside, give up, reject, disown. It also means to renounce or give up something valued or pleasant. Renounce or give up, relinquish, dispense with, forego or desist. It means forswear, disclaim, disown, disavow, discard, set aside, wash one's hands of, Turn one's back on, repudiate, or have done with. That's forsake. There's a lot in there. Some of your versions say manner. Some of your versions say habit. The same word. This is the next definition. Manner. A person's outward bearing or way of behaving towards others. Social behavior. 
behavior or conduct and way of behaving, form or social habit. A habit is this, a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. A habit is a practice, a custom, a pattern, a routine, a style or mode, a manner, a tradition or a rule. And then the last word I want us to focus on as well, in verse 26, it says willfully. Willfully, the definition, and I want you to listen carefully. The intention of causing harm deliberately. The intention of causing harm deliberately. With a stubborn and determined intention to do as one wants regardless of the consequences. Who wants a copy? You'll have it before the service is over. Last week, we talked about the Christian biology. Biology is your behavior, your makeup, your nature. That's what your biology is. Go back to verse 23 in chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The first thing God doesn't want us to do is to waver of our profession or our confession of hope. Each one of you sitting in this room today, each one of you sitting inside here has had a confession of some type. Either you've denied him or you've accepted him, but something you've confessed. And if you've confessed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you put your hope in the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You put your hope in the blood that we just sang about. But you're wavering. You're like a tree in the wind. You're like grass when it's being mowed. It has no option. You're just following whatever the mower tells you to do. You're, you're wavering. You're not standing strong. And I'm here to tell you today, part of our makeup is not to waver. Part of our makeup is not to be blown about. Part of our makeup is not to be giving up the way we do in the 21st century church. Today's a message to speak to the individual and the reasons why the way you are towards God. He says, you're to, you're to hold fast to the confession. You're to hold fast. That means you're to grab it and never let it go. Don't let anyone snatch it from you. Don't let anyone or anything influence you. We'll speak about Sunday school this morning. We talked about being sober being sober means not to fall under the influence of something else. The word of God tells us to be sober spiritually, yet we fall under the influence of something else. We determine when we come and why we come to church. The very fact that we call this church is a problem in itself. If you are born again, believer in Christ, who's the church? What is the church? You are. But yet, time and time again, we call this church. When the church is embedded in you, 
You listen to me carefully? And when we read this scripture, and it says in verse 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That's assembling, that's uh, stimulating the church, the individual. Not forsaking, not abandoning. Some of you sitting in here, and I'm going to say it, some of you sitting in here, you're getting your one and done every week, and then that's the end of your existence for Christ. This is not about you calling the pastor to tell me why you're not here Wednesday night, Sunday night, and Tuesday night, or whatever other night we have services. This is not about you reporting to me about your absences. This is about you forsaking, that means, let's read it again, abandoning, leaving, quitting, because your idea of church, your idea of this body is this moment right now. Is this moment right now. Those of you that have been getting the text this week, they've been kind of pushy, right? Hmm? You needed it. And little did I know it was leading up to this message. Some of you may not be getting the text, so you're getting it all right now. You see, life for a Christian is more than this moment. It's more than gathering under these tiles and under these lights. It's that blood we just sang about. And yet day in and day out, we forsake it. Brother David, I don't forsake it. I pray every day. I do these things. I do that. You forsake the church by wavering, by giving, by caving, by being under the influence of everything else. Even your own head pain, neck pain, back pain, butt pain, knee pain, whatever pain you got. You let it keep your end at the house when God tells us to push through. It's raining today. I don't get out when it rains. If it's raining tomorrow morning when it's time to go to work, tell your boss that. Yes, you see? But you present that to God every time. That excuse is laughable to your boss. Your excuse is laughable to God. When you waver the way you do, when you bend the way you do, when you forsake, when you abandon what God is, he says, not forsaking our own assembling. See, that's what we are, y'all. The church, this is not, we assemble. Listen carefully, y'all. I want you to hear this carefully because everybody's been believing a lie. I may have even preached it myself. And if I have my apologies at this moment, Christians assemble together. They don't sit at home. Because let me tell you something, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a massive assembly of the brethren. 
It won't be you having your own little happy corner over here. It won't be, oh, God, can I just have a quiet spot in heaven? It ain't going to be one. You better learn to start assembling now. You can excuse away everything you want. Keep coming up with your reasons of why you don't and why you won't and why you can't. Keep on doing it. If you're going, you can't assemble right now. You think it's okay to assemble once a week? Do you think it's okay as a brethren to assemble once a week? Because let me tell you what happens. He says as the habit or the manner of some. In other words, people have gotten in the habit of not assembling. So now guess what is cropped up in our society? We got that camera hanging up right there. And if you're listening to me at home, guess what? If, if you're deathly ill and you got a fever of 108.9, yes, stay at home. But let me tell you something. If you're laying at home because it's raining and you don't want to get out, then you got a problem. You're not assembling with the brethren. That camera right there, this live streaming and all that stuff, it's great technology and it's good to have, but it's not for the purpose for you to be lazy and you're assembling with the brethren. Brother, are you going to record all the other messages? Yes, we are, but you need to be here. For those of you that may be listening on the camera, I'm talking to you again, too. You may be listening in another state, another country or whatever. Let me tell you something. If you're using this to replace your assembling with the brethren, you're out of the will of God. You hear that? You hear that? This is not about getting you to come back to church Sunday night. Once again, I'm not here. I... I still haven't asked anyone why they don't come. And I'm not telling you to tell me why you don't come. But it's between you and God. But let me tell you something. Christians assemble, don't they? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell God he's wrong. Tell him. Tell him right now. Because every day y'all walk out and you see people every day that say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You have to be a part of the church to be a Christian. And then that church assembles. Listen to the text carefully. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, as the manner. In other words, let me read the definition again. A settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Has anyone ever stopped coming to church? Raise your hand. How many of you ever just stopped attending church? Raise your hand. Uh, how hard was it to get back into it? Raise your hand if it was hard. Yeah, you want to know why? Because you built up the wrong habit. You built up the wrong habit. I've got friends and family members right now sitting themselves at the house because they've gotten into the habit of not coming. He says that's the habit of some. You want your Christian makeup to be right? You need to come to the house of God and assemble with other believers. But Brother David, I don't feel good. Yeah, that's why you need to come assemble. Because here, you got people that will pray over you. Here, you got people that will pick you up and hug you. Here, you got people that will encourage you. But you know what you got at home? You got a TV remote that don't care nothing for you. Once again, tell God he's wrong. 
And I hope the nail that I just hit on your head went through your heart. It's time out for our weak-willed, watered-down way of worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and thinking we got it right our way. We will sit here and we'll forsake God. We'll sit here and we'll put him to the side. We will abandon. We will reject. I'm not standing up here for my health. It's for your spiritual health. It's for my spiritual health. Y'all got to get it. Because look at this. Look at verse Look at verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some or manner, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day? What day? The day that we know is coming and we think we can sit at home and be lazy Christians and God is going to be pleased with it and we can skate through the doors. When God tells you, hey, you're able to get up and come. Listen, he had a man that raised 12 tribes up, and the man had a dislocated hip most of his life, and yet it didn't stop him from moving. We brought it up in Sunday school. Just because you get tired doesn't mean you forsake God. Moses got tired when he was in battle, and his hands were up, but when he got tired and his hands fell down, he started losing the battle. So what happened? The rest of the assembly came in and held his hands up. And as long as they held his arms up, he prevailed. God prevailed. You see, if he was by himself, if he wasn't assembled with other members of the church, guess what? His arms would have stayed down and he would have got run over by the enemy. Now, you think it's okay to stay at the house? Day in and day out, you hear excuses from other, I, you know, yes, okay, I'm about to let y'all in the world of the pastors. We do talk about you. Well, I'm not going to tell you nothing else, Brother David. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know it. Every time I, you know, I'm, I call someone, text them, oh, I was just talking about you. Oh, really? I want to ask so bad, what were you saying? I really don't want to know. You see, as a Christian, as that, that biological makeup, you can't just lay at home and be away because you're having some struggles right now. That's not in your makeup. And then you want me to approve of your excuse. Brother David, I really, I really just, I can't. I know, I can't memorize these lines. <laughs> brother David, I can't get through there. You know what Brother David's going to, guess what doesn't go anymore with Brother David? Okay? Whatever don't go with God. Whatever don't go with God. Not my opinion. Remember when I had my knee surgery? I love using this excuse because, see, I love using this. Remember when I had my knee surgery? I had knee surgery on a Friday. I was on crutches and thing up to here. 
had a wedding that same Saturday after the knee surgery. And I was up here on crutches preaching on Sunday. Not to the glory of me, but God said, you're going to get through this. And you ain't going to lay down. But we walk around. We walk around in our lives and say, well, I, I, um, I got a cousin that's here today, and uh, they're, they're, they flew all the way in from Philadelphia. Oh, they flew all the way down to come and assemble with you. That's great. Bring them. But I haven't seen them in ages. You can look at them while you're in the service. Just sit, sit there and look at them, you know, just stare at them if you want to see them. But we have plans. We have things to do. So you see, when we sit here and, and make other plans and other things to do other than assembling, and we use the justification with our family, we're telling God we can't include our family in what he has planned for us. Is your heart, does your heart have a hole in it right now? It better. If not, here's the next thing. For if we go on sin, I can't read this without my glasses. If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice of sin. Look at this, willfully. Let me read that definition again. The intention of causing harm deliberately. And then look at this, with a stubborn and determined intention to do as one wants, regardless of the consequences. You don't care what God thinks about it. I'm staying home and watching Powerpuff Girls with my kids. We ain't played all week. And yes, people still watch Powerpuff Girls. I know that. This is what you're doing. You're stubborn about it. And not only that, you're believing that lie about God. You're willfully. And you know what's happening? Look at that, willfully, with the intention of causing harm deliberately. Who are you harming? Yourself and then any other family member that's sitting there with you. We got families not here right now. We got families not here right now. You want to know why? I don't know. But they're willfully, willfully. That's not everybody's reason, Brother David. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. This is next to tithing, not assembling. Um, not, okay, let me put it in terminology. Not coming to church is probably the most fearful thing a pastor preaches about. Brother David just wants us there at church. Yes, he does, because God does. Hello? I want you to assemble because God wants it. <gasps> you what? Yes. How dare you tell me I have to be in the house of God? Last time I read between these covers right here, it said be there. I can't get out of bed this morning. I can't get up. Oh, I just wish it was a nap day. Oh, perfect nap day, isn't it? You want your naps, and while you slumber, the enemy is assembling too. I can guarantee you the enemy's not missing not one service. Huh? Anybody want to argue with, argue with God about that? I can guarantee you the enemy is not missing one service. 
And he's in here, and he's dispatching his little henchmen out. Get them to stay at home. Get them to justify it. And then guess what he's doing? He's getting me to accept your reason why you don't assemble. So guess where the fault lies? You're looking at him. Brother David, it's not all your fault. It is when I don't hold you accountable. When I don't call you and I don't tell you, hey, guess what? I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's going on. And if it's something that I need to know, let me know. We'll pray about it. But it should not stop you from assembling with other believers. It should not get you in this place where you don't want to be around people. Christians cannot be isolated. We're not designed that way. It is not our makeup. You just said it to yourself. Anybody else feel the same way? Does anyone else feel accountable? Does anyone else feel accountable? Okay, then you just put it on yourself. Tell you what, go to Joshua. Go to Joshua. Go to chapter 24. Go to verse 19. Then Joshua said, Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. Kind of sound familiar? Look at this verse 21. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, You are a witness against yourself, for you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Guess what you just became? Huh? Huh? Oh, now everybody don't want to speak up now. Are you a witness against yourself right now? Amen, oh me. Are you a witness? No, you're not getting off that easy. You're going to answer the question. Are you a witness against yourself this morning? You hear that on the camera? Do you hear that? Are you a witness against yourself this morning? So that what, what's next? Do you willfully, do you willfully continue to do things regardless, regardless of the consequences? You want to keep laying your excuses out there and thinking God's okay with that? Do you? I got stuff I need to do too, y'all. I got an RV sitting in my yard all toward the kingdom come trying to get it back together for a mission trip. And I can sit there and say, well, I'm going to stay at home and take care of it because it's going to be important. It's for a mission. I cannot forsake the assembly for that. Well, my boss told me to come in to work. And God told you to come in and assemble. Which one's your God? 
Am I mean preaching? Please tell me yes. Thank you. Yes. Brother David, you don't understand the environment that I'm in. Look, it's not God's fault that we've created this society for ourselves. He has set the standard for us to worship him. He has set the standard for us to communicate and associate and get together and do everything that we're supposed to do for him. Because guess what he did for us? How many of you sang, oh, the blood? How many of you sang it? Raise your hand. Then you sang the part when he said he shed for me. Did you sing that or did you get quiet? Okay, good. Now you want to accept all that, but you want to forsake. You want to forsake the things when they get a little difficult, the things when they get a little inconvenient, the service when it gets a little long. Brother David, it's 1130. Huh? I've been sitting here on this sermon all week long. And I'm telling you right now, as God was loading it up into the chamber, getting ready to fire it out, all I could think of was, Lord, please don't let none of the bullets come back and hit me. You want to know why we are where we are? Do you want to know why we are where we are? Why don't you go to Amos chapter 5, in the Old Testament, Amos chapter 5, A-M-O-S, Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5. And then here's the funny part. I say, God, I'm going to be preaching this message to the folks that are going to be there. He said, I know it, but there's going to be a day when they won't, or there was a day in the past when they weren't. Yes. Amos chapter 5. Did y'all use your table of contents to find it, or are you still trying to flip? Okay, good. Please, I'm telling everyone, everyone, okay, stop, Bible study, to the front of your Bible, look. Look, those of you at home, look, okay? In the front of your Bible, you have this thing called table of contents, okay? It's at the front. When you don't know where a book is, go there and look it up. It will tell you the page number. And then go. And quit worrying about not knowing because everybody else knows where it is, okay? Any questions? It's okay. See, that's the problem, y'all. When we, when we forsake each other, you know, if someone's sitting next to you and doesn't know where the book of Amos is, that's why when you assemble with them, you can show them and you can love them. You know, here it is. It's been going on with these two right here for the past five minutes. <laughs> Verse 16. Oh, stop. Let go of the pride. You didn't know where it was. Say, I don't know where it was. The beginning of wisdom is I do not know. Learn and say, I don't know. There you go. Verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the Lord, there is a wailing in all the plazas. And in all the streets, they say, alas, alas. 
They also call, for, call the farmer to mourning and professional mourners to lamentation. And in all the vineyards there is wailing, because I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Verse 18, alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? Wow. See, all of us sitting in here wanting Jesus to come back. And look how he's going to find us. Laying at home, digging in our toes. Yeah, laying at home, worried about, hey, sitting in here worried about where we're going to eat. What good is the day of the Lord to you with that attitude, with that mentality? What good is it that you can watch it online or you can go to a service virtual and not be real with with other members? Well, you can go and send an avatar in your place, an avatar, a person of whatever you want to be to sit in the sanctuary for you. What good is that to you when God has directed you to assemble with other believers? I long to come here. I'm ready to come here. Because you know why? When I come, I'm going to see other saved folks. And it's going to be, hey, we're together. We're together. And he says, what good is that to you? What, what good, what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. Look at verse 19. And when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him or goes home and leans his hand against the wall and the snakes bite him. That's what he's saying, what the benefit is of you. You want to know why he's saying these things? Because just like right now in the 21st century world, we've got it good. We've got it good. We have jobs. Our unemployment is lower than it's ever been before. We're trying to build. We're trying to upgrade our downtowns now. We need more shops and bars and all this other stuff. We need more places to do this. We need more places to do that. I need a place to do this. I need a place to do that. And pretty much whatever we want to do, we do it. And you know what happens? It has led us to a state of apostasy. A turning away. A turning away. Because in all of those buildings and all of those desires and all of those things to do, we need people to build them. We need people to work them. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to go to the society that is doing nothing on Sunday but sitting in a building, listen to a man sweat and spit at him all day, and we're going to pull them out and let them come and build our buildings. We're going to let them come and do our work. We're going to let them come and and whatever we need done. And and guess what? They'll do it because they're going to believe a lie that says, oh, you don't have to be there today. Stay home and take a nap if you don't have to work. We're in an apostate place right now where we're turning away. And every reason causes us to turn away. Every little bitty thing that happens. And then look what he says in verse 20. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom and no brightness in it? Look what he says in 21. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and you grant your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. He don't even call it a sweet sound. He calls it noise. 
I will not even listen to the sound of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I see, he even sees why we're assembling right now. It's of no benefit because you're not assembling for the right reasons or you're not assembling the way you should because you have forsaken. I need an usher to come here, one usher, one usher. Okay, thank you, Kent. Go make me some copies. Make about a hundred. Yeah, it's one and two zeros. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, okay. It takes two of them. I guess one can only go to five zero and the other one to five zero. I got you. They're assembling. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Craig. Go back to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews. Now it's time for you to get real with yourself. For if we go on sinning willfully, this is verse 26, receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Today you just heard that the truth is you need to assemble with other believers. Is that the truth? Is that what the word says? Yes or no? There weren't enough yeses. Yes or no, is that what the word says? Okay, good. Then you knowledge, then there's no longer remains a sacrifice of sin. So in other words, if you reject the truth, then the blood of Christ is no good to you. The blood of Christ is no good to you if you reject the truth. Wow. Look what's in store for you, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. Listen to me, y'all. Jesus Christ came and he justified us through his blood and he's sanctifying us along the way, right? He did that. But that person that doesn't know Jesus Christ and know that the blood was spilled for him, all he's just because Jesus came don't mean the judgment is stopped. The judgment will still happen. It will still happen. The only thing is you're justified by the blood so you're not standing under it. But for those that don't believe the truth, don't acknowledge the truth, don't live the truth, guess what? All they got to look forward to is judgment. And it won't be pretty. We're still going to stand and give account for some things that we've done. Right? After salvation, right? Okay. That ain't going to be pretty either. But at least you'll have the justification of Jesus Christ's blood on you that will not separate you from a living God. He'll keep you eternally bonded to him. Look at verse 27. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How, how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Keep forsaking the assembly. There's not a person in here that don't have the guts to tell me when I've said or done something wrong, right? I'd expect that, right? Come on, you can tell me that because all of you sitting in here have always told me something 
So there's not a person in here that don't have the guts to tell me when I've done something wrong or, or something that seems good, right? But not one of you, you'll go stand flat foot in front of your boss and tell him, you're not going to mess with me on Sunday no more. Or Wednesday night at 6 30. Huh? But you'll tell the pastor. Won't you? Huh? Amen. Oh, it hurts when you get called out like that, don't it? Huh? It hurts. Because it's true. I'm not saying y'all hate me and you'll stand there and dog cuss me. That's not in your hearts. I'm not saying that. But if you believe that strongly about what God is saying to you, then why can't you share that when it's going to come and it's going to affect your assembling with God and with other believers? Why? I'll tell you why. Last scripture. You ready? Go to first, uh, Second Thessalonians. I'll tell you what, we won't go to, no, 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 no. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Don't worry, everybody gets a copy. And I know, y'all, and look, I get it. I know our services are different. You know what? Why are our services different? Why? God led, and it's about you getting an understanding. And it's not about the formality of trying to hum and zen out and all this other stuff and making sure there's no gaps, okay? When the music don't click on right, John, where you at? Where's he at? When the music don't click on right, guess what you can say in that mic? Hey, you can say, hey, will you push play, please? It's okay. So if we're going to pass out copies, we're going to do that. You got to get this. If you're sitting in here lost, you need to see that we're not some perfect, well-oiled machine that's all prettied up for Sunday. We're flawed individuals that need correction. Just like you are sitting out here. And the only way that correction comes is through the blood of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. You see, that's what you're listening to. That's the apostasy that's starting right now. That's the apostasy that's been going on in the church. The demon is telling you, hey, you will not surely die. Oh, yeah, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to. Oh, come on now, you're hurting pretty bad. Take a pill, stay at home, relax. There's plenty of people there that can praise God. They don't need you there to do it. Huh? That's what you are hearing. And guess what the scripture says? The spirit, notice what it says, the spirit Capital S, that means the Holy Spirit of God explicitly says that in latter times. In other words, that spirit that's dwelling in you is telling you, don't listen to that demon. Get off your sorry sack and out of that bed. Brush your teeth, 
comb your hair, brush your eyeballs, whatever you got to do. Get in your car and drive down to the church and worship. That's what he's saying. You want to fill up the church? We can put everybody on the payroll and then fire you if you don't come to service, right? You come then. Y'all will come. Y'all will work overtime. David, you ought to, Brother David, you need a church on Saturday morning too. I was just saying, you know. Look at verse 2. By means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage, all of these things, all of this stuff that goes on. Okay? So I want you to understand something. This is not, I don't want 100 phone calls next week. Brother David, I'm not going to be there because of this. I'm not telling you to call me and tell me why you're not going to be here. I'm telling you to get on your knees before you make that decision, decision and you better make sure it's God telling you not to come. Now, will God tell you not to come? Will God violate his own word and say you don't have to assemble today? Then should you even make the call? Wednesday's coming. Tuesday night study is coming. I guess you and I can't ever go on vacation on a Sunday, can we? <laughs> They're going to pull this sermon up out of the archive. <laughs> I know it. They'll pull the sermon up. Guess where our pastor is? <laughs> guess he's violating God. He's willfully violating God, no matter the consequences. We might be, huh? <laughs> well, I just said the camera can't be used either, so there we go. Questions. Um, invitation. Somebody, y'all come on up here. I got a question for you while they're coming up. I got a question for you. What about this you don't understand? Huh? What about this you don't understand? What about this you don't feel like applies to you? I need to know that, really. It don't miss a person in here. And I pray, I pray to you that are live streaming right now. I don't pray to you, but I pray for you that guess what? I hope there's a hundred of you watching. And guess what? Not that I care about the number, but that you heard it and you show up. And you start assembling. I need you to assemble with me. I need the fellowship. Don't you get that? This job's a lonely job. It's a lonely role. And being a Christian shouldn't make you feel lonely, should it? But y'all are living lonely lives because you don't know how to assemble. The church needs to assemble. Bow your heads. There's one question. That needs to be asked. Is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? In other words, the blood that we sang about earlier. Is that true in your life? If it is not, you should not be worried about anything other than getting that right with God.
You should not be concerned about, well, what is somebody going to think? Because I tell you, because this assembly is together, you come down here and you get in the right relationship with God, guess what he's going to do? He is going to cause us to rejoice because we have another person, another soul to assemble with today. If you've got dozens and dozens of problems and you want God to fix them, well, if you don't have a relationship with him, he doesn't have to answer that. Only prayer God is obligated to answer to the lost person right now is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Have you given your life to him? That's all he needs to hear from you right now. And when you get, when you get your life right with him, he may take away your problems. He may not. I'm not here to preach that. But I do know that you'll be secure in him. So today is a day where you can come into the assembly. You can be a part of the church. Not in membership, not in procedure, not in religion, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Today can be that day for you. I had that day, and ever since it's happened, I just want to be with other believers. That's it. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's all right. And that could be your call to come to the altar, too. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you cannot guarantee 100% that you'll spend eternity in heaven, if you don't know, if your answer to that question is, I would hope so, you need to look at me. All right, so everyone in here has that relationship with Christ. So if that thunder you just heard was preceded by a lightning bolt and it struck you and it took you out, you would be in heaven. You know that without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody looking up, everybody, if you know that without a shadow of a doubt, nod your head yes. Okay, good. The next thing, if you have been forsaking the assembly, if you've been willfully forsaking the assembly, it's time, it's time for you to give it to God. You can do it in your pew, or you can come up here. We've already had one altar call. There's no, no rule that says you can't have two. If you have been forsaking God, that's right, come on. Who else? Who else? If you've been forsaking your assembly, there we go. Who else? There's another one. Who else? Come on. Those of you at home, or wherever you are, if you're forsaken, you need to get down.
Art Kent, come up, please. Change my heart, oh God. Uh, I need you over here. I need y'all over here. Can you come? Can you come pray? need some prayer who else can come pray Spirit, and that you speak to each person, and Lord God, that they hear your word today, and Lord God, that they do not, they no longer forsake you, and they no longer, Lord God, this spirit of apostasy that's in the body, Lord God, let it just be cast away. We know that in the last time, some will turn away, but Lord God, let those here not be in that number. Let them, Lord God, turn and let them surrender and let them give up everything, everything for you. Let it be, please. Let them not walk away for something that's, that's so special and so dear. And help me as a pastor. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. We need someone else to pray. People are still coming. We just keep going.
if you're in me this is what if you're not surrendered please do so don't let your manner be a forsaking manner I look at this definition your outward or your outward bearing or behavior towards others that towards others is God that towards others is your brother and sister in Christ that may just need you to hold their hand for a day or through a service or that person that comes here week in and week out and they come alone they come that they ride in the car by themselves they sit by themselves and God wants to see us as an assembly to drive up next to them and sit next to them and hold them because they're sitting here alone they shouldn't feel alone in the assembly in the house of God we got people right now that are sitting alone that are crying that probably just need someone to go and move next to them. Put their hand, put your hand on the shoulder of that one right there in front of you. That's what they need. You see the importance of the assembly? They're tired of being alone. They're tired of, of having to, you know, they go home to an empty house. They got a spouse that may not be with them. They got a spouse that may be rejecting. They got, and, and they're trying to do it, but they can't do it on their own. Their own, they need the assembly. When you assemble, pay attention to those who you're assembling with. Thank you, John. Thank you, Becky. As the ushers come. John, is there choir practice today? Okay. Does anybody know if we have children's service, children's practice today? Okay. Okay. 